Hi, this is Chris Foreman from Madness, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness podcast. <laughs> Hi there, folks out there. I'd like you to meet Tommy McGuire's combo. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Stateside Madness Podcast. I'm Lori. And I'm Polly. And this is episode 42, Polly, the episode of Life, the Universe, and Everything. Well, that's in in fact, you're right there for our, our hitchhiker fans. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were, but uh good, good. You got extra points in my book today. <laughs> so what do we got coming up today? I don't know. I just you just tell me when to show up. Okay, all right. Well, why don't we get started with the communicator? Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready too. So first up in the communicator, we have hit 8,000 downloads this past week. So thank you, of course, to all of you who listen. Um, It's always surprising when Lori gives us these numbers. Uh, I don't think, I never thought, I thought I would max out two people wanting to hear what I had to say. I did not think we would reach that number. Lori, what do you think about hitting 8,000 downloads? Well, I'm excited, obviously, but you know, I'm thinking 10,000 is right around the corner. We're going to have to plan something special for our 10,000th uh, download. I think so. so. We're going to have to start brainstorming. I think so. Anything else on the communicator? Yeah. So, Polly, did you happen to see this article that was posted on the website mxdwn.com? In uh, fact, it- I did. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, for our listeners, the headline was Polisa announced summer 2022 West Coast dates featuring Madness and Wilson. And they actually said in the body of the article that it was the British ska band Madness that was going to be appearing at all of these dates in June and July in the United States. I Well, it was, it was funny. It posted, I, I just glanced at my phone when you posted it on Stateside uh-huh. Madness uh, Facebook. And um, I, I happened to be at work, so I didn't have a great deal of time to um, look into it, but I smelled a rat. Well, you know, it's no longer on their website. Yeah, good. You know why? <laughs> you know why? Because, because you're the you're the bad cop in our partnership. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I guess, I guess. So I actually uh, contacted their editor. Ray Flotet wrote me back and, and they took it off the website. So I just, I wrote them and I, I asked them, you know, what's your source for this information? Because we are the American branch of MIS and we understand that they're going to be playing the UK on some of these dates. 
And so he wrote me back and apologized and he said, it's been taken down off the website. So. Uh, and so, you know, uh, nothing against uh, Policia or uh, Wilson, whoever those folks are, but um, you know, even madness not being the hugest band uh, in North America, that would still be similar to like the Red Sox or Yankees or White Sox, uh, like uh, opening for your uh, local little league team. So, uh, there was reason enough to be skeptical of that alone. Well, in other news, and this is very timely, given the topic of last episode and this episode, we've just learned that the Madness album Wonderful is being re-released on heavyweight 180 gram black vinyl. And it's going to include new liner notes from Lee Thompson, Chris Foreman, Mark Bedford, Carl Smith, and Woody Woodgate. So this is going to be the first time that it's ever been available on vinyl and it's going to be released April 29th. So keep an eye out. And also, if you haven't heard about the gig that Madness is doing on March 24th at Royal Albert Hall, that wasn't enough to get you excited. Paul Weller is going to be joining them. Now, Royal Albert Hall is a no, uh, you know, that's no popsicle stand around the corner. That's a big friggin' deal. Uh, that's a great venue, historic venue. You know, maybe the Carnegie Hall would be our equivalent. If you could make it there, you're big time, baby. So our boys are going to be joined by Paul Weller, a concert that's a fundraiser for the Teenage Cancer Trust. So Paul is a longtime supporter of the Teenage Cancer Trust, as are our boys' madness. You can remember the Specialized Project CD, Mad Not Cancer, same, same charity that that benefited. So to all our friends in the UK that are going to that, that ought to be just a fantastic time. I'm very jealous that it's and happening and I'm not going to be there. <laughs> that's in just a few days too, isn't it? March 24th? March 24th, right around the corner. So I hope everybody has a fantastic time at it. Okay, that's the end of the communicator. What time is it? Showtime. Uh, what we decided at this point is um, after we had done Wonderful in the last episode, which was a great album, we realized that there are a lot of extra tracks on the 2010 reissue. Now, the band is known for doing this. They'll put out an album and then eventually they'll put out like a box set with a second or possibly even a third disc that has things like B-sides, bonus tracks, that kind of stuff. And there are so many really sensational tracks on the 2010 reissue on CD number two that we decided we wanted to do even more wonderful today. So uh, as I mentioned, this is from the 2010 reissue, which contained a second CD with bonus tracks. Many of the bonus tracks were B-sides from the singles off of this album. Several of the tracks were written for the 2002 our house the musical so there's some new stuff here and let's dive right in then so for the section of bonus material on the cd release from 2010 first up it would be a chaz smash composition and it is the remix of 
You're wonderful. These are the days I love And I've been happier than most Crossing England coast to coast For those who are not here on this day You're wonderful, so wonderful It's good to see you You're wonderful, so wonderful It's great to be here All right, Lori, mm-hmm. you're wonderful Why, thank you, you're quite <laughs> You're not so bad yourself Just, Just couldn't bring <laughs> yourself to say it I, I started stumbling on my uh, on my words, how I wanted to say it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you. You're you're quite good yourself. I, I love this song. It's such a good song. Um, it was supposedly written as a tribute for Carl's father, who had passed, and this was one that they had been playing for a few years at Madstock. I love the lyrics. If you listen very closely, life was uncomplicated then. We had some things we hated, but more that we loved. And we took care to wear what nobody else would wear because we didn't really care in those days. And I just, I love that because I, that's kind of the story of the band is they're coming up, right? And I mean, they had their own look that they had cultivated. They had their own style that was very different from everybody else around them. And they just did their own thing and just didn't really care. And then the whole, you know, well, you're wonderful. It's great to be here. You know, it's like now here we are, we're on the stage and it's love for the audience, you know, and, and this is why we're here and this is what we're doing. So I think it's a really cool song. What do you think of your wonderful? Uh, pretty much the same thing. Um, I think it's a very, very strong effort on their part. Um, yeah, lyrically, like you said, it's got a lot going for it. You know, it's a clever bit of pop music. Uh, you know, definitely the up-tempo sort of stuff. And the chorus is really, really uh, very strong, very hooky. Uh, it would have made it a fantastic single. Uh, it is peculiar that it hadn't made it onto the album. But as we discussed in the previous episode, uh, everybody had their own momentum. Everybody wanted their material on the album. So they pretty came pretty close to dividing it up. And subsequently, then this one didn't make it on. But uh, a fantastic effort. The song's labeled a remix, but it is does happen to be the only version I've ever heard. It was the B-side also of uh, Johnny the Horse. In the UK CD, there were actually two different uh, single releases. Uh, the song first played at Madstock in 1996. And like I said, a tribute to Carl's father. And also it's, it's uh, said that another reason it may not have made it on the album was because uh, some of the band weren't uh, quite happy with the quality of the recording. That doesn't sound bad to me. I think it sounds terrific. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. What's up next? Okay, next we have Round and Round, which was written by Lee Thompson and Mike Barson. Let's take a listen.
Polly, how do you like round and round? Uh, I'm all right with it. Uh, not necessarily a, a huge favorite of mine. The piano uh, intro, a little bit, I think, like a red herring. You'd think it would be quite ballady, but almost instantaneously it drops off and then you're into not even uh, like standard pop. I would just say it's a it's a straightforward kind of rock song. Not necessarily uh, my favorite effort from madness yeah you know i agree with you it's not my favorite uh song either by madness it's very interesting lyrically if you listen to it what what they're kind of saying you know round and round and round again it's like they're talking about well here we go again you know we were we'd stopped for a while we left the band we're back at it again we're just going in the the process we're going up the charts again right? It's all a cycle. And I think very telling is the line, we do a little dance for the mortgage men. So that kind of, I think, hints a little bit at maybe what some of the motivation was for some of the band members. You know, I mean, that really implies that money is a a motivator here. So Round and Round was a B-side for Love Struck. Now, what they did is they actually released two different CD singles for Love Struck. So Round and Round was the B-side for CD number one. It has a minor chord structure and lyrics, which one listener said, retain uncertainty and underlying despair. Maybe there is a little bit of um, foreboding there. Maybe there is a little bit of underlying apprehension. Now, this song was actually Mike Barson's first choice to put on the album, but it was, alas, not to be. What's next, Polly? So up next, then, we would have another jazz smash composition. It's We Are Love. thoughts on we are love uh this is a fun one it's not something that i think we would have expected from madness that gritty guitar intro that we have and then we have Chaz coming in with the lyrics you know we are love we are loved we are loved up but it's fun you know it's it's not your typical madness fair but i really enjoy it how about you yeah I'm, i'm i'm not that uh uh into it uh, it's very redundant. It doesn't seem to uh, doesn't seem to go anywhere. You know, it, it builds in the middle. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly rock or punk sound to it. I think there might have been a little bit influenced by um, you know the industrial acts that were out around then. You know, it's a hard synth noise, and then in the middle there's some strings introduced and it sort of builds 
but it doesn't build to anything. It just builds and drops off again. So in that respect, it's a bit of a peculiar song for me. Okay, next up, we have the radio edit of Johnny the Horse. As I mentioned in the last episode, UK radio wasn't too keen on playing the opening line of the song, which was Johnny the Horse was kicked to death. So here's the radio edit. Let's listen to it. Johnny the horse, he passed this way. He died for entertainment. Would you believe he came out well? He had a bright inquiring mind. His family knew that he'd go far if he applied his time. But he started out standing on corners and talking out loud. what do you think of the radio edit of johnny the horse well i just i don't like radio edits in any form really i think it's all preposterous um you know i can i can appreciate that in cases of really um you know outlandish profanity you've got to do something but i mean for christ's sakes uh by this the time this uh song came around frankie and johnny and Stagger Lee were already decades old. What the hell's the problem with saying some good? Well, of course it's sad, but what's the what's so really sensitive about suggesting that somebody was uh, kicked to death that um, you you would you would faint at the mention of it? You know, I don't, I don't get it. It's weird. Well, and they've had this problem before. I mean, you might remember Cardiac Arrest. They couldn't get that song played on the radio in the UK either for similar reasons. So, yeah, I don't know. They did what they had to do, yeah. right? I, I think that it loses something with the Johnny the Horse he passed this way. It, it doesn't intrigue you as much when you hear the opening lines as, as the original, but, you know, they did what they had to do. So good for them. What do we have next? Next, we're going to listen to I Was the One. It's a Mike Barson composition. Also, one of the B-sides of Johnny the Horse in the UK CD number two. They released two different CDs with different B-sides. Why would they do that? The only thing that I can think of is because they know collectors are going to buy both. Uh, it, it may have also been inspired by the fact that, um, you know, this is the first, uh, first release that they had had in so many years that a lot of times uh, record companies will shell out just a little bit more money to put a product out there just to keep the excitement up. Okay. So it's not just a cash grab then? Well, no, it's both things at once. Ah. <laughs> Let's take a listen. I was the one That you promised to Feeling the grind, but it's 
right, Lori? Give me your take on I Was the One. It's okay. I mean, it's 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 very pop. I could take it or leave it. It it it's not one of the stronger tracks. I do really like Chris's guitar here, though. I think Chris's guitar really stands out for me. Uh, it's not too far forward in the mix. It blends nicely with the rest of the song, but it's it's the backbone here. What do you think of I Was the One? I, I think I'm going to be in agreement with you on uh, every point you made. Uh, the only notes I've got down here were that I, I really did think Chris's playing was pretty spot on for it. The only other note I wrote down was that I just wrote like a that it's a staple pop song. I really had a hard time really formulating what my thoughts were about the song. So maybe that in and of itself says everything that you need to know. It doesn't really resonate or it's not that impactful one way or the other. So, you know. John Reed had written that it harked back to the skanking ska of old, all swirling organ and bouncing bass. the, The swirling organ and bouncing bass, yes, but I'm missing the skanking ska aspect of it. Okay, next up, this is an unusual song. It was written by Carl and Chris Foreman, Dreaming Man. the spark in the flame in the words of truth yeah i'm in the east and i'm in the west i'm in the stitching of a kevlar vest yeah i'm everything that you see i'm the words on the lips of muhammad ali yeah i'm the dreaming man i can make it real yes i can i like to dream Okay, so Dreaming Man, again, speaking of these multiple single releases, this was the B-side of Johnny the Horse, single number two. So, Polly, what do you think of Dreaming Man? Uh, I like it. So far as, uh, you know, the the list of songs we're going to go down today, uh, it's right up there for me. It's actually pretty good. You know, I do tend to like that sort of uh, manic talk singing that happens in it and the hook is really very strong so uh you know there's a lot there for me two two elements right off the bat that i really take gravitate towards so for me i'll give it a i'll give it a solid a okay i really like the beginning if you listen to the beginning very closely it's reminiscent of london calling by the clash but what is up with that weird old man voice that Chaz is doing what what is that that is just weird (laughs) I don't That's, know why he's why he's doing that voice. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise it's a great song, but that voice, I mean, I he sounds like an old man that smokes three packs a day. I mean, I guess maybe he is now, but <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, I, I don't know. Every, every once in a while, one of those things I think lands just right. Um, you know, it was uh it was a bit oddball, but like uh, if you're a guy like me, that's 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 the that's where I live, you know. So, hey, to each his own. I hey. you usually love every every silly sort of voice or affectation that Chaz does. 
Yeah, the, that's the only complaint I have about this is, is that weird voice he's doing. <laughs> Otherwise, I think it's a, it's a great song. I do enjoy it, despite that. So the next one we are going to listen to, it's Light of the Way. And again, a Chaz smash composition. Let's take a listen. we got Carl on vocals again and it's funny because you were just saying how you know I like everything that he does on vocals I'm not really feeling this one he seems to kind of be channeling almost like his inner Elvis or something but it doesn't quite work for me it has kind of this country rock vibe to it that I don't really care for so you know I don't hate it but I don't love it what do you think of light of the way uh yeah it doesn't uh it doesn't uh really stick the landing for me same thing a little bit uh too much of the country rock vibe um it's very hard for me to like anything like that this one i can see how it didn't make the album yeah well it yeah. was a b-side right it was the b-side of uh drip fed fred I think. that's correct yeah, yeah. Okay. absolutely yeah you know, and I might be a little bit unfairly harsh about this one just because growing up, my family was so into country rock, you know, Leonard Skinner, the Eagles, Jackson Brown, where I hear it now and it's just like, it's an immediate turnoff for me. So I'm, I recognize that I might be bringing my own issues into this and that I might not be totally objective on this. That's what you, that's as an, as an artist, those are factors that you've always got to be wary of is yeah. that, um, you know, there's, there's something for everyone to hate out there. Um, and so, you know, if you put something well, out like that, somebody might not like it. Well, and let me say too, that I do appreciate that they're always experimenting with new sounds and trying to reinvent themselves. And I really do appreciate that. I mean, let's face it. If they had just done baggy trousers over and over on every album for the last you know 40 years i don't think that they would have the appeal that they have now you know sure. i i don't think i would be as into them so i think it is a good thing it's just like you said this one they, it kind of falls flat okay so next up we have a demo version this is the demo of we want freddie eventually would become drip fed fred so let's listen to it Gentlemen and assassins, the ladies of the night, 
I call upon you this evening in the hope of shedding some light. I can't go into detail or finger unfinished fools, but there's scumbags in the monsters that are not playing to lose. I've rounded up the low life and local CID. Okay, so Polly, what do you think of We Want Freddie? Yeah, well, you said it's the demo version, so it's got almost all of the elements of the song there already. You can tell, though, that uh, the production value is not the same as what the finished product will ultimately be. And then, of course, Ian Dury's not on it. So, right. you know, I do like hearing demo versions of songs. Um, if nothing else, it gives you maybe just a little bit more insight to what they were thinking and how this thing progressed. But, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's 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 a it's a fine effort, but ultimately, then it's an inferior version to the to the, the the song we all know and love. I'm with you. I like seeing how the songs I like have evolved, you know, and, and kind of seeing what it looked like in its earlier stages. As we had mentioned in our last episode, uh, we talked about how they got Ian Dury to actually appear on this album, and. Tamo had literally just finished recording this demo and had gone back to his hotel for the night. And who does he run into in the lobby, but Ian Dury. So it definitely was a chance meeting, but I mean, fate, maybe, I don't know, but uh, you can really hear Ian's influence on Lee as a singer and as a songwriter in this in this version. So I think that's kind of cool. And while we're on drip fed Fred, having just heard, we want Freddie, let's move on to drip fed Fred, the conspiracy mix. We want Freddie for a leader. Freddie is a man of class. We want Freddie for a leader. Stand, stand and raise your champagne. Gentlemen, assassins, and ladies of the night, I call upon you this evening in the hope of shedding some light. I can't go into detail or finger unfounded fools, but there are some here amongst us that are not playing to the rules. I've rounded up the low life and local CID, offered a free massage. Well, all right then, Lori, what are your thoughts? Well, the only real differences between this conspiracy mix and the album mix are there's some additional rhythm. There's some, some percussion instruments that weren't in the original version, and it fades out a little bit earlier towards the end. The additional percussion instruments don't really add anything to it to me, but they don't take anything away. I mean, it's just okay, you know. Six of one, half a dozen of the other, I suppose. What do you think of the conspiracy mix? Uh, well, for me, any remix needs to uh, hit a, a higher bar for me. Um, I don't tend to like remixes. You know, the only one I think I, I think I may have mentioned on the show is the uh, Ashley Tarbox remix of Dust Devil where I think it actually makes the song better. Um, but, you know, everybody's got remixes out there. Um, it's now, it's a, it's, a, it's a fact of life. Every, every album, you know, probably is gonna, 
have some form of that on it. But I'm kind of like, you know, why? Just, just why? Why do you, why do you do it? <laughs> oh, I mean, I imagine they had to experiment a little bit and see what works. You know, you yeah, try well, adding some things, taking some things away. Which do we like better? You know, but you don't throw anything away. Right. When you're what, what I, I guess I, what I would say then is then, then that let, let's let that be an uh, alternate version of something then a remix. When actually a song is handed off to somebody else and they chop it up, splice it up, add their own instrumentation and things like that. I think that's where when things really start to get away from, you know, where I would like them. So maybe we need like Drip Fed Fred, the Giorgio Moroder mix or something. Sure. <laughs> no? Maybe not. Okay. Well, speaking of remixes, next up we have something called Madly. Now, this was actually on the B side of the European single for Love Struck. And it's a medley of songs from the wonderful album. Let's listen. I know this time. I know this time. What do you think of Madly, Polly? The, the, the idea is uh, an all right one. Let's give people an idea of, of uh, what's going to come around when the album finally comes out. But why would you why would you throw that on and listen to it really um if what they had actually done was an arrangement of it rather than just splicing songs together and they did like me you know maybe sort of like a one take arrangement of all the songs spectacular you know but this is just kind of like yeah it's a commercial <laughs> well that's actually kind of what it is yeah i mean if this was put out before the album they're trying to get the european fans excited you know here's a sampler of what's coming on the album you got to run out and get that album now interestingly enough the songs in this medley if i didn't care drip fed fred elysium johnny the horse the wizard 4 a.m. going to the top and you're wonderful. You're wonderful never made it on to the album. So I think this again indicates that very early on there must have been a plan to put that song on there. I mean the album is called Wonderful. This was included in the the medley. So kind of makes me wonder what happened. Hmm. Okay. So as we spoke of before, there's some of these songs were made specifically for Our House, the musical. We're going to listen to one now. It's Simple Equation, and it's a Suggs and Chrissy Boy composition. Mm 
I think it's a very strong song. Uh, Suggs had said in an interview, simple equation relates to the idea of these two parallel universes going on. And the point of the play really is you don't always know when you've done right or wrong until afterwards. I think the song is good. Not a big fan of the play, which I can talk about at length if you like. But first, what do you think of, of simple equation? Well, uh, again, I think I probably agree with you. It, it's a very hooky pop song. There's just nothing really that you can, you know, criticize it for, save for it's not just not going to register up there with the greats, you know. But I mean, if you're writing for a musical, you could do a lot, lot worse than Simple Equation. I think it's a very solid effort. I think Our House, the musical, I think it was capitalizing on the popularity of a lot of these musicals. Like, I think the most popular one would have to be Mamma Mia, which is a musical made of ABBA songs. There was Moving Out, which was Billy Joel. Boy, there have been a bunch of them recently. Yeah, the Queen one. Um, it, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. My big problem with this musical is it feels like an ABC after school special. Very preachy. And I get that, you know, it's like you've got these songs and you're the writer and you're trying to stitch them together in something, some semblance of a coherent musical. But what they've done is, so the plot of the musical is there's this guy, Joe, and he engages in a very, very small crime, which is basically trespassing because he wanted to break into this building to show somebody, you know, like the view of his place from the street. And then it branches off almost like uh some kind of quantum physics time travel story. It branches off in two different directions. So one of them is he admits to what he did. He faced up to the consequences, you know, in the, in the eyes of the law and everything. So that's like branch A. And then branch B is he goes on the run and he, he's hiding from the, the consequences. And they're talking about what his life is going to be like in A and what it's like going to be B. And I don't want any of that preachy you know uh oh you know right or wrong oh you always tell the truth I, you know i mean that just ruined it for me and actually there was a very recently polly um a tv show here in the united states that just got canceled and it was called average joe and it was about like three or four different alternate realities with the same guy where he makes a different choice and it goes off in a different direction coincidence that it's the, the guy's name is joe that show just got canceled in its first season because nobody liked it <laughs> so i don't think i'm alone in this 
I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Have you have you seen the musical at all? Or yeah, well, I've seen bits, whatever is out there, like on YouTube or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I think uh, there was a bunch of junior high school students doing it. I don't think so. No, no. no. Okay. I, 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 I can handle theater, and I can handle music, but um, God, musical theater. It's just, I can't, I can't, I just cannot. Okay, so musicals in general are, are just out. No, then, huh? no, they're like dog, dog turds. They crop up a whole bunch of them every spring and I just try to avoid them at all costs. Oh, see, I'm a former theater kid. So, you know, I, I was in- Up with production. people? <laughs> no, I was, thank God. But you know what? I was in a theater production with someone who was in Up With People. But no, I was, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, we're not even going to, yeah, let's not even talk about Up With People. Let's move on to the next song. Is Sarah's song. This was also from Our House, the musical. Not to be confused with the song Sarah, which was the B-side of the One Better Day single. So let's listen to Sarah's song. Welcome home Seems as if it were yesterday since you were gone Now sit yourself and let me witness what's become Of the smiles that you brought and placed upon But there was nothing that I could or would have done Oh, the look in your eyes as they dragged you from The clutches of my breaking heart your thoughts well unlike simple equation really which which i think you could pass for for anything a song off of a traditional album or whatever uh sarah's song to me is very much a musical song you know it's uh it's catchy but it's kind of yeah you know not only does it not really do a lot for me it's so reminiscent of the archetypal you know uh, second act musical song that i'm kind of like almost makes me want to run away a little bit <laughs> well it's interesting that you you call that like a second act musical song so where they got this song from apparently after embarrassment lee started to write a follow-up and it was supposed to be about a, a woman trying to reclaim her kid who was taken away by social services. So it was kind of supposed to be embarrassment part two, right? Embarrassment, we have the unplanned pregnancy and now here we have that. But for whatever reason, the lyrics and the music just kind of got shelved. So 20 years later, when Tim Firth is writing this musical and he reaches out to the band and says, you know, hey, you know, we need some original songs. So then they pulled this out and they reworked it a little bit to fit into the plot of the musical. So it actually kind of is in that respect. It's a second act. It's a second act of embarrassment. I really like the piano and the strings on this one. 
but that might be contributing to what you're seeing as like a show tune type thing, right? I think that's kind of what you were getting at. I do like this one though. So also included in the wonderful bonus material is the 2002 mix of It Must Be Love. Let's take a listen. As soon as I wake up every night, every day, I know that it's you I need to take the blues away. Lori, what are your thoughts on this slightly different version? You know, it's jarring to me just because I'm so accustomed to the other version that when I hear this one, I think, oh my gosh, something's wrong. And it's very subtle where if you haven't like listened to it hundreds of times, like you and I have, Polly, you might not notice it. But there's that bit towards the end of the song where it just goes into a little bit of a sax, kind of a mini solo. But here Suggs is singing over it, where he's singing nothing more, nothing less, love is the best. I think it's it's certainly fine in its own right. I don't like it as much as the original, but I also get, you know, that they needed to put something new out to fill this, this Our House, the musical in Our House, the original songs. So this is what they pulled out of their pocket. What do you think of this mix? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much the same thing. Uh, there's not a lot, not a lot new there, but since there's not a lot new there, there's not a lot to, uh, you know, not like about it. Okay, finally, we have My Old Man, which is a cover of an old Ian Dury song. Let's listen. My old man wore three-piece whistles. He was never hung for long. Drove a bus for London Transport. He knew where he belonged. Number 18 down to Houston Double Decker, move along Double Decker, move along My old man Later on he drove a roller Chauffeuring for foreign men Dropped his H's on occasion Said good money now and then Did the crossword in the standard At the airport in the rain At the airport in the rain Holly, how do you like my old man? I, I, I do like it. It's a very faithful rendition. But every time I hear this, I always just think how remarkable it is that the Blockheads had exactly the same setup as Madness with, you know, sax plus the addition of a regular like five piece band. And the guys are playing very nearly note for note exactly the same parts that all the members of Blockheads has. And it still manages to sound a great deal different to me. So it just goes to show one person's piano style or guitar style 
somebody's choice in mixing and production really can, you know, they tried to do it very nearly identically. Um, yeah, but it sounds like madness and it, uh, you know, it's it only faintly reminiscent of, you know, the original song. I, so anyways, that's my takeaway from it. I, I do, every time I hear it, say, wow, it doesn't sound really like the Ian Dury version. Well, Ian Dury has such a distinctive voice that I, I don't think anybody can can quite replicate what he's done, right? So this was taken from the 2001 Ian Dury tribute album called Brand New Boots and Panties. I know we've mentioned that before. We actually talked a bit about uh, Ian Dury in episode 19 and how he was such an influence on the band. I, I, I like this song even more now that I know more about Ian Dury. Now that I know his father had been largely absent from his life, he had been a chauffeur. The lyrics, he was never home for long, drove a bus for London transport. He knew where he belonged. So now knowing that, I, I feel like a connection with this song that I hadn't felt previously. And I, I do think that this is an appropriate, faithful tribute to Ian Dury. And I think they did a very good job with it. I think it's a good note to end on. So normally at this time, Polly, I ask you, what's your favorite song and what's your least favorite song? And I know you hate when I do that. So we're going to mix it up a little bit. Instead, I'm going to ask you, which of these tracks do you think should have been on the wonderful album? And then which track would you have replaced, right? Because if you're putting one on, you have to take one off. So what do you think? Wow, you really are putting me on the spot. That's pretty tough. I think so far is what I would put on the album. It's probably a tie between your wonderful and dreaming man. But I think I think I would put dreaming man on there just because of the peculiarity of the song. God, I, I, I love wonderful kind of just the way it is. Uh, maybe I maybe I take off the wizard. I don't know. Really, I thought you'd say the ink spots. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, you sold me. Yeah, I probably would take take that off. Okay, well, for me, I definitely think you're wonderful should have been on this album. And I would take off going to the top. That's the one I think that I would lose. Okay, so before we go, Polly, what's coming up in our next episode? So our next episode, uh, we're going to talk about the boys in Crunch or the Nutty Boys. That's still debated, believe it or not. Although I think uh, so far as the interwebs go out there, uh, we're, we're going to refer to it as the Crunch episode. And I'm definitely looking forward to it. Oh, so am I. I love that episode. I can't wait. All right. Yay. So our, our closing song today is going to be an Italian cover of Johnny the Horse. So the song is called Un Fiore Nel Cimento, which translates to A Flower in the Concrete. It's by a band called Statuto from Torino. So we're going to end it with that today. Thank you again for listening. Looking forward to our next episode in two weeks. Goodbye for me. And that's a goodbye for me. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. Piero lo skin, sempre sarai un fiore nel cemento. Due 
grossi anfibi, un bomber verde e dentro c'eri tu. Testa rasata, lo sguardo da duro, con gli altri anche di più. Era vita da strada, una giungla chiamata città. Yo parlo sempre di te